you lost a loved one? Whether the loss was a long illness or a tragic accident, people who lose loved ones go through a grieving process. After someone we love dies, each person handles grief in their own way. Today, our topic is life after loss. My guest is Reverend Jim Kirk. He has been helping individuals and their families with the process of grieving for many years. This is Kay Meyer, your host for today's Family Shield radio program. Welcome, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, we want to uh, learn about life after loss. And as we do that, how about telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a, uh, I will call it semi-retired pastor after 28 years of uh, studying in the ministry and serving. But after, before that, about 14 years as a registered nurse. So I have come from the people helping people uh, profession. I did not know that. Interesting. Okay. And uh, how did you get involved in grief counseling? Well, it wasn't really by choice. In 1980, uh, my first wife was killed. We were hit by a drunken driver late at night returning to Wisconsin Rapids from Chicago, Illinois. And uh, in response to that uh, death, uh, we had someone come and speak to our hospital where I worked regarding grief. And, and it was a secular presentation, very good, uh, but secular. And then through the process of going to the seminary and, and actually going through some support work myself, I thought, why not uh, seek to help people with a Christian perspective? added to the uh, the concept of what it meant to go through grief itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. That has to be very challenging. How old were you and how old were your children when your wife passed away? Uh, my wife, I was 34, my wife was 34, and I had a, chi- a son 12 years old and a daughter 10 years old. Wow, wow. I'm sorry for that, even though many years ago it's grief is... The grieving never ends to some extent. Uh, right, and you don't you really... You never miss, you no, never stop missing them. You don't get over it, you go through it. And I think that's a real challenge for people to understand that it's all right to remember a loved one. I'm remarried. Uh, you met my wife. She's sure, a I know lovely wife, lady. Yeah. But I've never forgotten my first wife. I remember her birthday. Mm-hmm. I still have contact with her family, not as much as I did immediately after her loss, but you never forget. No, no, you don't. Well, why do you call it a grieving process? Well, I I have to tell you, personally, I was a little uh, taken back by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's 10 steps or 10 phases of grief because I really didn't want to be labeled. And so I'd rather see grief uh, as a reaction to a loss as a journey. It's a journey that you begin just like if I were to travel from St. Louis to Memphis, there might be eight different ways to get there. My destination is still the same. And the destination for us who have gone through grief or will go through grief is to be able to become out stronger on the other side and yet not giving up that passage of time that takes place when you grieve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. But some people um, think that they, uh, that, oh, let's say, I, my listeners probably know this, I've lost two sons. So I, my husband and I have gone through the grieving process and it's not that long ago. Um, and, and that's why I said we never stop loving them or, or remembering them. But um, some people want to kind of tell people, okay, you've, you've, been, you've grieved enough, just get over it. What do you, how do you respond to that? Well, I think we have to be very careful. First of all, it's hard to identify exactly with that person. Uh, No one can ever grieve the loss of my first wife like I did Mm -hmm. because she was the closest person to me at the time. No one can grieve the loss of your sons like you do. 
because they were not their sons. And so we need to be careful to understand it's an individual process. It's not one size fits all. The other thing is it's kind of like, I like to liken it to a country western dance. I've changed the name of it. Uh, it used to be two steps forward, or one step forward, two steps back. I say it's two steps forward, one step back. You don't go through this from beginning to end, and, and it has a magic ending time. I like to encourage people to think that that first year is a unique time uh, in the sense it's the first time you experience certain things. After that, you're still going to have uh, birth dates. You're going to have, if you're married, an anniversary. You're going to have the first time you go to an event your sons won't like to go to. All those things happen. And so that's part of the process is understanding where you are in grief. And, I, and I'd like to begin with just the definition of grief. Grief is a reaction to a loss. Mm. It, doesn't need, it doesn't always mean the loss of a loved one. There's all sorts of losses. I deal with people who are in nursing homes, and they grieve the loss of health. Mm. Uh, they, they grieve because they're lonely. Uh, they grieve because they can't do the things they did before. So it's really a reaction to a loss. It's physiological, psychological, and sociological. As an example, when my first wife was killed, I lost a wife. My kids lost a mother. The hospital lost a nurse. Uh, the church lost a Sunday school teacher. So you keep adding on these things that where the loss is affecting others as well as the person that's gone. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, can you share just some of the? Uh, well, can you share the stages of grief? Yeah, I would. Again, I'm going to avoid talking about stages. I'll talk about the different things we're going to experience. Okay. But I like to do it according to a cycle as developed by a, a social worker, and I think it's fantastic. And this is what I share when I do workshops. First of all, there's the loss. And then the first aspect of grief is called protest. This is where we say words like, I can't believe it happened. I believe, and maybe you experience it yourself, that God gives us shock as an anesthetic. Mm. We just get through. Yeah. And that protest phase of grief can last anywhere initially from three weeks to six weeks. You're just still struggling with it. And then the next aspect of grief is, is despair. And it's really characterized by searching for the individual. I just watched last night on 60 Minutes. Uh, a special about Newtown, uh, Connecticut. And I can tell you by what I heard, those people are, are dealing with despair. Mm. If you, one woman talked about how, how she felt about losing her son. She said, it's like he's been gone years, mm. but I can still talk to him if I can dream about him. Mm. So she's struggling with whether or not to let go of this child. And I have Newtown, Connecticut in my prayer list every day. Mm. Because anyone who's ever lost a loved one knows that it's not going to be over quickly. No. The rest of the world goes on. It used to amaze me when I went through the first aspect of grief that other people's lives were normal. Mine wasn't. Mm -hmm. I still remember going the first time to, to the grocery store to uh, get groceries, and I stood in the aisle and I cried. And I couldn't figure out which kind of beans to buy. Was it bushes or was it somebody else's Campbell's? But it was because that was the first time I was there without my wife. So that phase uh, is despair. And then the next phase, according to the, the folks that I've studied, is detachment. And that's a withdrawing from the individual or the loss and beginning to, uh, let's call it, have normal behavior in the sense of you're a real person again. I like to call it towards wholeness. Uh, they used to say reintegration into a society. Well, that doesn't work for me as a pastor. Mm -hmm. I think God goes through the process with us. Right. And that's one of the aspects that led me uh, into to studying more about grief and being involved with what is the Christian response uh, to the loss of, of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, those are great and, and uh, helpful 
for our listeners. Again, I'm assuming some of our listeners have had someone they love pass away and are still grieving the loss. And I liked what you said, too, that it doesn't just have to be the death of a loved one. It can just be the, a phase of life. Or um, I talked to someone the other day that lost a job, and it's been three years. And uh, she is also, even ver- though very young, grieving that job and, and praying that God would open the door for a new position. Why do people get stuck in the process? And how can you tell if they're stuck? Well, I would think that one way to discover whether someone is stuck in their grief is if they aren't willing to move on. Mm. If, if one, of the, one of the first symptoms of that is, uh, let's say after the initial shock is over and they're not able to speak about the person without crying, and if it's two years later and they're not able to speak to the person without crying, then I would say they're stuck in that particular aspect of grief. And one of the most important things to do is not to tell them to get over it, but actually go through it with them. I like what one psychologist said, again, from the Newtown, Connecticut situation. Uh, they said, silence is the enemy of healing. Mm-hmm. So if you're not talking about it, you're not going to get better. And people have to be willing to talk about it. Sure. I still remember visiting with a pastor and some uh, field workers at a congregation, and, and I suggested sending an anniversary card on the date of the uh, death of the individual. And the pastor said, why would you do that? They're hurting already. And my response was because they don't think anybody else knows that they're hurting. Yeah. And so it's this communication to help them through that aspect of grief, which is so important. So talking about it and talking yes. about the loved one helps. But a lot of times people think, oh, I don't want to bring it up because it makes them sad. Exactly. And that's the exact opposite of what we need to do. Interesting. Uh, particularly because uh, your sons were real to you. My wife had a name. Her name was Joanne. And I wanted to hear her name. I wanted to have, particularly during the searching phase, which is, happens in despair, was this person really real in my life? Uh, what was it that I really liked about them? Well, we can think about it, but to have someone else uh, encourage us with what was good for them. I remember going through the uh, sympathy cards. My mom put them in scrapbooks for me, and about six months after my wife's death, I was at the seminary studying to be a pastor, and I went through those cards, and I threw away every one that did not have a personal note. Oh. <laughs> because it that was a personal so, note that so told me to about what she meant to me and what she meant to them, huh. and that showed that she was a real person. Oh, interesting, interesting. So yeah. I encourage people, our listeners, to do that. And write down the date on the calendar, whether in my own situation, uh, my last day at the church when I retired, I was in my office and I called my secretary in and I bawled like a baby. Well, I remember when I retired. Mm -hmm. She remembers when I retired. But as you go farther away from that event, uh, other people don't remember. I, I have noticed that people still send us notes on our son's birthdays. They remember Yes. And some of them are friends. I'm, I'm on Facebook, and, and some of them um, are sending cards, and not just the first year. It's been some years, and I appreciate that. Yes. Um, so these are good suggestions for the listeners that don't know what to do, because I can remember back years ago, I went to a class similar to what I'm going to be mentioning soon you're doing here in the St. Louis area, and I went because I didn't know what to say to people when they lost a loved one. I just felt totally inept. I just didn't know. And I I learned when uh, my son's best friend was killed in a car accident, and we were asked to come over the night that he 
died to his parents that listening is the best thing I can do. Yes. And I didn't have to know what to say. I just needed to be there and listen. Yes, I've developed a list uh, along with other folks about the do's and don'ts. And uh, some people may not agree with me on these, but one of the my don'ts is don't say it was God's will. Uh, because uh, I don't think God told someone to drink 16 beers in two hours and then come and hit someone. Mm -hmm. So it is an easy answer, but you're better off not saying anything if that's what you're going to say. Or another one that I say people should not say is, I understand exactly how you feel. No, you don't. You couldn't possibly understand how I feel. So there are some things to do and don't. The most important thing is to be present. Yeah. And ministry uh, of presence. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very good. I want to just make a few announcements, and then we'll come back and continue talking about uh, life after loss uh, with Reverend Jim Kirk. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Live the Six, Being an Everyday Missionary. To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Please make sure you give us your complete name and address when you call or write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations each week throughout the United States, and is also available through our podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. We invite your prayers and support. If you'd like to support us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836 and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Why not put Family Shield Ministries into your will or estate? Most people want to give the majority of their assets to their family, but many also put a favorite nonprofit ministry into their estate to receive 5 or 10% of it. Family Shield's estate program is entitled Generations Legacy. Your gift will allow us to continue the ministries for many generations and beyond your lifetime. For more information, contact us at witness2family at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to Family Shield and for your prayers. Learn more again at www.familyshieldministries.com. This is Kay Meyer, host for today's Family Shield program. Thanks for listening. Well, let's, before we go on with more about uh, the grieving process and life after loss, let's talk about resources, because that's one of our priorities for the ministry to connect people to good resources. And we d uh, define those as people like you uh, and uh, organizations that have resources and just printed resources or videos. Tell us where we can go to get some good resources on this topic. Let me just share with you a little bit about how those resources came about. Uh, when, when my first wife was killed, 
a friend suggested that I go to a group called Theos, which stands for They Help Each Other Spiritually. Matter of fact, that friend ended up being my second wife. Oh. She didn't go. She lost her first husband through a sudden illness, but okay. she recommended that I go, and I attended. And the first thing I realized when I went to that group is I could not feel quite as sorry for myself as the moment before I walked in because everyone else there was widowed, mm -hmm. and that made a big difference for me. But uh, I read everything I could read about grief, and some resources that I found very helpful was a book uh, written by uh, Jean Gannon Jones, and it's entitled Time Out for Grief. Mm. <clears throat> and one of the things that she shares in her book is something that I really like to share with people, and that's the idea of bell ringers. Bell ringers are things that remind you of your loved one. I had a coffee cup that if I wanted to cry, all I had to do was take it out of the cupboard. Uh, some widows uh, find the reclining chair that their husband used to sit in as something that would be a bell ringer. And so th this book really helped me in terms of seeing things that happened that could be uh, normal. Uh, this is the thing I'd like to share just as a part of the grief uh, process is some people think they're going crazy. They're not. Uh, you're confused because you've got so much on your mind you're thinking about. And so these resources helped me. Another one was to live again. This book was written by Catherine Marshall, Peter Marshall, the great mm, pastor's yeah, wife, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that was very helpful to me. And then um, two resources that I found good, uh, one for the, the loss of a loved one is uh, entitled God Understands. It's from the Bible League, and uh, I was going to write a devotional for those who grieve, and then I found this one, and mm -hmm. I said, I don't have to write it, it's already been written. I love that and one. And it goes through the emotions of what we're experiencing in grief, but then it gives God's answer. And that's one of the things that I wanted to share with people is, it's one thing to go through grief, it's another to go through grief and have God's uh, presence through His Word of encouragement. I have like, uh, I call it a six-gun approach to anxiety or grief, and and it's scripture passages, and some of them come from this book, God Understands. Another book that I would encourage people to think about regarding loss is Who Cares When I Hurt? Mm. And that's from the Bible League, but it specifically relates to anybody who is hurting for any reason. And that deals with the other losses in our life. Uh, it could be divorce, uh, and that's a, a great loss as yes, well. Yes, it is. You've got a death of a marriage, and people mm -hmm. are still uh, alive, mm -hmm. and they're in the midst of rejection. One of the uh, the books that got me interested in in uh, presenting a workshop actually began with the social worker who made a pre presentation at the workshop that we had in the hospital business. He's written the new book. I think it's really great. It's entitled Cry Until You Laugh. Mm. Now, this book, I would say, is primarily written for people who uh, do counseling. I think it's a little bit deeper but it's very good, and uh, in, the, in the workshop I present, I, I use quotes from this book. Uh, they're just great, and uh, they help people get through the, the grief. And laughter is good for the soul, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, well, very good. Thank you for those resources, and again, we'll try to keep a list of those. I know the booklet, God Understands, uh, I mentioned to you prior to the program starting, Pastor DeBerkey gave me a copy of that, and I have used it and reused it, and when I'm talking to someone else, I'll go back and pull that out because it has, it, it's, it's all Bible verses, but it's, it, it's just you recognize as a Christian how God is walking through each and every emotion that you're experiencing and how he's with you. And I think, you know, if nothing, if we say nothing else, but we do recognize that some of our listeners are not Christians, uh, but they're going through this process and they need to recognize that God is with them and he's done all that he can do uh, through sending his son, Jesus. 
just a comment right. about that. I would encourage people if they're if they're going to be helping people grieve, the best time to take the book God understands is about six weeks after the funeral. B. Decker, who started the group Theos, had written a book called After the Flowers Are Gone. And this is when people are sitting at home, they're in they're in despair, and they need to have some outside uh, encouragement. But I encourage people to take the book, give it to the person, share the most favorite aspect for you personally, and then ask them to write a note or jot a note about what it says to them for the next time you come. Mm -hmm. And it gives them something to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the next time you can ask, uh, have you been reading this book? And was there a particular aspect of this book that helped you? That's great. And it gives an opportunity for people to talk. I know Stephen's ministry has a series of booklets that I've used several times with people. And I like that too, that each different time it gives you an opportunity to you could maybe just mail it to them, but you can also uh, visit with them. And that's, as you said, the ministry of presence is very important as well. Yes, it is. Very good. According to many experts, there are some myths associated with grief. Can you share some of these and how to deal with those myths? Uh, sure, I'd be glad to. The, the one myth that we hear most often is time will heal. And the response to that, I've come up with my own response to them. I'm not sure what other people would say, but here's my response to that one. Hard work will heal. Grief is hard work. Uh, I remember a uh, pastor who counseled me in the midst of, of grief, and he said, in grief, you're going to get bitter or better. Oh, I like that. And so if you know, it's kind of, I also liken it to the Fram oil filter commercial of years ago. It, you either pay me now or pay me later. Mm -hmm. And in grief, if you don't do the work now, you will later on in the sense of, of if you don't go through that process of what the feelings are and how to deal with them, uh, you will someday. And the, the people who get stuck are the people who don't deal with it. Huh. Interesting. Uh, another one is uh, uh, anticipated grief is easier to handle. Anticipated? Uh, yes. For example, if someone is struggling with the loss of a loved one uh, through cancer and they've been there with them for the that process, people will say, well, you ought to get over it easier, quicker because you knew it was coming. Mm. Well, in most cases, that person who's working with the one who has cancer believes they'll live another day. They'll live another hour. And then after that loss, uh, there's so many things that they're not doing anymore they were doing the day before. And so that is a myth. Mm -hmm. And people need to realize there's no substitute for experience. Mm. Yeah. There just isn't. Wow. There are others that I'm going to share uh, during the workshop uh, because uh, it's important for people to understand that there are some things that are just false. Uh -huh. uh, I like what the author says uh, regarding uh, grief, this uh, cry until you laugh again. He says that grief is a complex process. Uh -huh. And you can leapfrog from one aspect of grief back to the other. Uh, I like also what happened in World War One and World War Two, And I'm not that old, but I will <laughs> tell you I learned something about it. Back in World War One, World War Two, when people lost a loved one in the war, they wore a black armband for a year. Oh. Now, one year is not a magic number, but there are certain things that happen during that year. We ought to give people permission to grieve. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. if we don't talk about the individual, that doesn't help. All those things that we need to allow people that permission to grieve. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that first year is, it's the first for everything. It's the first Christmas without your loved one, the first Easter, the first birthday, all of those first. Um, and then, and, and it also is giving you that time. So uh, good. We have about five minutes left. So I want to just ask you, what else would you like to share 
about um, uh, about uh, grief and also especially about life after grief. Um, I'm sorry, life after loss. What can we do besides what we've talked about to 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 uh, to have life? I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that. We talked about some resources, but we have not specifically talked about certain scripture passages that I think are really helpful. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure you do, Kay, but other listeners may not. Psalm 23 was written by David, and he expected to live, not die. Mm. We have it read quite often at funeral homes or in funerals. But he says, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And so David expected to live. And so I encourage people to think about that passage in terms of a life passage, not a death passage. It's for those who grieve as well as those who are remembering the person that's lost. Uh, another one that I really like is Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Uh, Come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. Take your yoke upon you, me and learn from me. Now, I didn't memorize that because I'm a pastor. I memorized it because I needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Romans 8, 31 to 39, nothing can separate from the love of God and Jesus Christ. That was actually the wedding text for my wife, Ruth, and I mm-hmm. in our second uh, marriage because mm-hmm. we believe that to be true. Uh, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's a host of others. I actually have a whole sheet that I give out to people that they can refer to because we need God's Word. When my first wife was killed, uh, one of the things that gave me the most uh, confidence was the fact that I knew she knew Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as Savior and Lord. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The week before she was killed, she was teaching a Sunday school class of second graders, and this was before Easter, and she talked about her not being afraid of dying because mm-hmm. she knew the Lord would be with her. Mm-hmm. What an Isn't outstanding that witness that wow. was to hear after yeah, to hear she after. was killed. And yeah. so those are the kind of things that really help the people who are left behind. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that... Uh, as you said, your first wife knew Jesus. When we have faith in Christ, we are going to go to heaven. For me, having lost two sons and my mom and dad, uh, I know I'm going to heaven because I have faith in Christ, not because of good works. But I also, and I know I'm going to see Jesus, but I'm also looking forward to seeing my loved ones in heaven. And And knowing that they knew Christ is extremely important. Um, just knowing that they're they're with the Lord. Right. Their soul is there now. Exactly. And, you know, we hear in the book of Revelation, in heaven there is no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears, no more sin. And so those are all blessings that await us. I will say this, that that we as Christians need to remember the, the and what St. Paul says in, in the First Thessalonians, do not grieve as those who have no hope. He did not say, do not grieve, period. Mm. Because grief is... Is, is a natural aspect of what it means for us to be Christians. We grieve for a lot of different reasons. It can be the grief of, of a loved one who doesn't know Christ. It can be the grief of something we're going through, not related to death, but we know that there is one who underwent grief for us. Remember, at the death of Lazarus, Jesus grieved, yeah. and he was going to bring him back to life. Yeah, that's right. Why was Jesus grieving? There's a number of reasons. Yeah, our time our time is up. So I'm gonna we're gonna have to go. My guest has been Jim Kirk. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in his word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. 
to learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.